Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the Nighting Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, as we look ahead to Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur at Old Trafford where Rob will be on Sunday and I don't have any idea how this game is going to go because you never know what you're going to get with Manchester United on the pitch at the moment or do you Rob uh we'll we'll talk about what we could expect later in the show but how are you feeling going into this weekend oh I feel great Scott going into this game <laughs> no I don't um yeah like you said you just don't know do you, you just you haven't really got a clue which Manchester United will turn up or or we do know which Man United will turn up. It will be the dysfunctional one that's inconsistent because that's the one that turns up most weeks, isn't it? But it's a really tough game, this Scott, not just because it's Tottenham Hotspur have been playing well over time, but you've got like a hardworking entity in Spurs turning up and there may be a, a team like Man United who don't always work hard. So it's not a great fit. But let's see what happens. You're at home. You've got an opportunity here to beat one of the like genuine top six rivals. They do need to win, really, as well, United. Because mm. they're I think they're about eight or nine points off fourth, <clears throat> which is a gap that is going to be growing and growing if they don't pick up their results and start winning more consistently. But we'll talk about that in more depth later in the show. We'll answer some questions from you guys as well from Twitter or X that have come in over the past few days. And we'll also talk about the news this week of Jaden Sancho leaving Manchester United for a six-month spell back at Borussia Dortmund, where, you know, I think it was a long time coming. And then Rob is doing imitations of him kissing the badge, if you're listening on audio and wondering what the hell that noise is. <laughs> uh, that is Rob kissing the badge and making a kissing noise. Anyway, uh yeah, Scott and Rob back again. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well, The Promise and a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a comment for us as well, and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore P, and at TPLMUFC on X as well. And uh, let's, let's, let's start with Sancho, Rob, just because it is the, it's finally done. He's been handed the number 10 shirt. I saw speculation yesterday that he was late for his Dortmund medical. That's not the case, guys. It's not the case. If you've seen the full video, it's just because he landed late. Yeah, he doesn't drive the plane, does he? (laughs) The deal was done and he landed in the evening. And I saw that I think his medical was being done at like half 11. And then the Dortmund physio went and said to him, oh, this is the latest medical ever, as in the time of day, not... Jaden Sancho was late. So, you know, I, I've I've had plenty of criticism for Jaden Sancho here, but let's be fair. <laughs> you know, um, he is uh you can criticize him for a few things, and yes, I have, and I'm sure Rob has as well. But uh look, it's this is a chance to go and reset his career elsewhere in an environment that he's made no secret that he loves. And we'll see. We'll address at the end of the season 
or they will address at the end of the season what happens next with Jaden Sancho. Um, what do you think will happen, Rob? Do you like because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking the fact that it is a six month loan without an option, mm. and the fact that Ineos are coming in, they're going to do a essentially top to bottom analysis of everything. I can imagine they'll speak to Jaden as well. You know, maybe does he think he's going to outlast Eric Ten Hag? And I, I know, I know, I'm aware that that is not a popular thing. I'm, I'm, I know that the way that Jaden's conducted himself in the eyes of United fans means that he should leave regardless of who the manager is. And I, I understand that. But what do you think the vision is long term here, Rob? Because it's only, it's only six months. It's only six months and football fans take everything so personally. So, yeah, I was mockingly kind of kissing the pretend badge just a minute ago. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that uh, bit of wonder there from myself. But the whole point of it is, Scott, is that there, there has been other things going on behind the scenes. But I, we have to stick with the line that that it's Jaden Sancho's responsibility, his form and playing for Manchester United and impressing the manager and forcing your way into a football team is on the player. And I think, again, that, you know, He's gone to Dortmund because he sat at Carrington, completely useless, not in the team, fallen out with the manager. And you've got to find a way now to either elevate his price, which is playing football matches, or find a different route away from Jadon Sancho. And I'm okay with that. I think that's what you have to do. I have absolutely no faith in the idea that even if he plays well at Dortmund, that if Eric Ten Hag is still the manager at Manchester United, that he'll come back. Like, that's over. That relationship is finished. Do we think that Eric Ten Hag will definitely be the Manchester United manager next summer and beyond? Well, I think that's up for debate, isn't it? You know, that we're talking about the Tottenham game today. And this kind of game is going to have a big impact on whether Eric Ten Hag is still at Man United in the weeks and months ahead. So uh, it is an unpopular angle that, that Sancho could come back. But if you get a manager who comes in who likes Jadon Sancho, you know, next summer and beyond... There's every chance he comes back. Now, United fans are saying, oh, you know, he could have done this to play games. You know, he he effectively just sat on the sidelines like boycotting Man United. That's not true. He's been training. He's been ready to play. The problem is, is that him and Eric Ten Hag don't have a relationship anymore. So that's where we stand with it. And you can say that, that Ten Hag is right to do that. I think you and me have. We've both said it's up to the manager to make these choices and you back the manager on it, not the player. But there's other things going on at United. There's there's bigger problems at Man United over the last six months than Jadon Sancho. He's just he's just probably one of the more famous ones. So I think he'll go to Dortmund. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll do well in the Bundesliga. Will he come back to Manchester United? I'm not so sure, but I'm also not that bothered, Scott. I always say... If you can help Man United win football matches, then we'll embrace you. If you can't, then please leave. But that goes for about 15 Man United players at the moment, Scott. It really does. It's not just Jaden Sancho. It's just that he's the news, isn't he? You know, and I think kissing the badge at Dortmund shows how immature Jaden Sancho is because he's not a Dortmund player. He's going there on loan. And whatever he thinks about Borussia Dortmund or Manchester United, you are, you're a Man United player. Don't be kissing other people's badges. It's stupid. I think it just shows that Jaden Sancho is an immature individual. And I you, think that's you're bothered of... by that. No, yeah. not at all. I'm not. But I get why fans are. Like I, it was. I'm trying to. I'm trying to give an example here of um, like before, like with like Carlos Tevez leaving Man United, 
and Carlos Tevez kissing the badge one minute for United and then kissing the badge for Man City 10 minutes later. And people like getting really upset by that and going, oh, badge kissing, you know, it's, it's, you know, it means something. Well, it doesn't. It's like Jaden Sancho, I think, is just doing it for the camera. You know, that's all that was is like, look, I'm back. Let, look at me kissing the badge. Footballers do it as a throwaway thing, whereas I think fans feel it a lot deeper. Does it mean anything to me, Scott? No, not at all. Because again, I think being in, in and around the game, you see all these things all the time and it kind of become immune to them a little bit. Um, I, I want Jaden to go to Dortmund and play well. Go to Dortmund, play well, show that you're a proper footballer and then give Ineos something to think about. Give Ineos a chance to go, hey, actually, what's been the problem with this guy for the last year? And, and is it as deep as something psychological or something that you can't handle the pressure at United? And if that's the case, then you don't come back. Or is it a, a, a personality gap here between manager and player, which we see all the time at football club, Scott, across the world at every level? Is a manager doesn't like a player, a player doesn't like a manager, and you can't get the right form out of them. It happens everywhere. So people think, oh, no, there's a bigger story to it. I don't really think there is. Like People want to talk about Jamie Sancho's tweet. I don't want to talk about that tweet anymore. Like, he was an idiot. He was a 12-year-old. He shouldn't have done it, and he should have been punished for it, and he was. But I don't think it should have gone on for months and months and months like it did, and I think United could have done more to rectify that. You think about it, really, all the issues United have had on their flanks. I mean, even if Sancho hadn't have meant the apology, <laughs> um, totally. he could have still found his way into the team if he'd applied himself correctly. And that's what a grown-up would do. A grown-up would have apologised... A journalist said the other day on Twitter, and I agreed with it, like sometimes in the scenarios you'll apologise, but you don't mean it. You're just saying it because that's what you're supposed to do, and then you get on with your job. But Jaden Sancho couldn't find a way to, to get round that. We'd heard, Scott, that he had apologised, but not apologised fully. So it was like a disingenuous face-to-face -face apology, and Eric Ten Hag wanted something a little bit more concrete. Now, I don't know what the manager wanted. Like, I don't get that. Like, for me, it's like, can I get this player to play well in, you know, on football matches? Yes or no. If the answer is no, then you're out my team. That's okay. I have no idea why they couldn't rectify that, but I do think that Jaden Sancho is immature. I do think that. And I think kissing the badge at Dortmund on day one shows a level of immaturity as much as it did that he did that tweet before. That tweet should have meant two weeks wages fine, Scott, and that's it. That's what it should have meant. And what happened? It turned into EastEnders, a three-month, six-month soap opera. It shouldn't have been like that. And I think United could have handled that better from the centre, definitely. Yeah, regardless, Jaden Sancho has uh, made his decision. <laughs> and, uh, like, honestly, I, I personally hope Jaden Sancho does really well at Borussia Dortmund, finds his mojo again, elevates his value and price. And we come to a point in the summer where we have to analyze what the hell is going to happen because he's found his form again, his value has recovered, this kind of thing. The problem that United will have, though, not many clubs out there are going to give you even 35 million quid for Jaden Sancho. No. no. So even, even if he is playing well, because simply put, clubs can't afford it, especially clubs who aren't in England. You're seeing now with the likes of Newcastle United, um, even United themselves, Arsenal, all these different teams in the Premier League that have spent pretty big over the last couple of years. Yeah. They are now having to think, oh God, we've got to be really, we've got to be really careful here because of FFP. Yeah. Like these are clubs who can spend money. You think of Richest Real Madrid clubs in the world. 
But Barcelona, traditionally one of the richest clubs and biggest clubs in the world, everyone knows their financial situation. Real Madrid mm. went two or three years signing players for free or for a couple of mil, and they've gone and obviously done big signings since, uh, but very, very carefully with a very specific profile of player that they're targeting, this kind of thing. They're signing a lot of players from Brazil as well before they even reach anywhere near their peak. That's the case with Rodrigo, Vinicius Jr., Hendricks coming in as well. These mm-hmm. kinds of players. Transfer strategy is changing. And especially, like, you consider the amount of money that Jaden Sancho is on at United. No club can match that. Barely. I mean, of all the... T- like, where, where's it going to go? PSG? No. Probably not. Italy? They, they can't afford those wages. So you're going to have to, you know, uh, support where you can, if you're not really going to do it that way. But uh, yeah, this is a thing. Uh, this is a, a wider point that I wanted to come to. United's wage structure has to be addressed. It, it's, it absolutely has to be addressed because the Premier League is so far out there with... It has an advantage in, in the financial sense in the market mm. that United have been doing this for years where they can tempt players in with Jaden Sancho kind of wages and the wages that Marcus Rashford is on, the wages that Casemiro and Rafa Varane are on, this kind of thing. But then you find Anthony Martial is part of this as well. Maybe we'll talk about him in a little bit because he doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. The problem is that United are getting to this point where they, they're giving out these contracts and then the 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 gap is so big that they, they can't find other clubs to take them. And uh they have to review this. They they really have to. And I put Jaden Sancho in this in this box, Casemiro, Rafa Varane. I'm seeing plenty of criticism for Rashford as well and the wages that he is earning, this kind of thing. Uh, Martial, obviously, earning 250 grand a week, doesn't want to go anywhere for six months because he's getting paid loads of money and nobody else is going to give him that kind of money if he leaves now. So he's of course he's going to sit on his contract. Of course he is. You know? Completely. Sorry, Rob, I went off on a tangent there. No, 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 I liked it because you, 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 I think you're saying, Scott, what a lot of us feel. And, and you know, it's it's the elephant in the room, but the truth is that Manchester United is that you've bribed a ton of footballers with contracts to sign for you when you've not been very good. So rather than creating a great, strong project and then bringing players in and saying, oh, do you know what? You start at this level and if you do well, we build you up and we'll pay you. Well, that's the right way to do it in football. But what Man United done, they've just given these massive contracts out. Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say we didn't want Jaden Sancho. Like at the time, it was like, go get Jaden Sancho. We need him. We wanted him for like a year before he actually signed. And that meant coming with a big contract and a decent fee. I actually thought at the time, 77 million around that mark, 80 million was actually value when Dortmund started, do you remember, 110? Dortmund were like, we want 110 million for this boy. And it went on forever because of that. Can you imagine if Jaden Sancho was leaving United now as a 110 million pound footballer that you paid for? That would be even worse. But I do think that when you look at these things and you kind of really dig dig deeper below the surface, this is more about, as we said last week, the culture of the football club and about what you put out there, you know, what you put out there and what, what you manifest to come back to you. And all of these failures of footballers, Scott, in the last 10 years have been Manchester United's fault. They've been United's fault because they've not created environments for players to play well and to have Good careers at United and even existing players like someone like Marcus Rashford is that he has one good year, gets his contract. We all go, that's great. But then the structure around the football club dictates that players lose their form over time. That's their fault. 
but it's also United not being robust enough as a squad and as as an as an entity. So that's where you are with Jaden Sancho. Like, I'm sure he'll go to Dortmund, and if he plays well, you create a market. But most people knocking on United's door for him in the next six months or in the summer will totally be going in low. They'll be saying, "You don't want this guy in your bill, your wage bill anymore." Twenty-five million. Let's start there, and United will be like, "Oh." Oh, I don't know about this. What do we do? You know, we've got to get him off the wage bill. That's the most important thing. You're going to take a big hit on Jaden Sancho. So I think that's the most likely outcome is that he plays well and you move him on. But then, Scott, when you move him on, you can't make the same mistakes. And this is really what we'll be using the test on with Ineos and with Jim Ratcliffe. We'll be saying to them, you can't be doing what United have done in the last 10 years. And I don't think they will. But do you know what as well, Scott, for United fans, is that you might not get some of the superstars that you want on the back of your shirt. You might not go get Champions League winners. You might go get younger players, 21, 22-year-olds, that can maybe help you win in a year or two or three, you see. So that's where we stand with it. And I think I I'm okay with that, but I know a lot of Man United fans won't be. They, they will still expect United to go out there and spend the biggest or big money. But how long have United been signing Champions League winners for? Like, you go back to the days of Ferguson, they used to pick off Rio Ferdinand, Michael Carrick, yeah. these kinds of Eric Cantona, Roy Keane, these kinds of players for, for substantial money. But these weren't like players at the very, very top and very peak of their career. These weren't world superstars. It was, these were just good players with a lot of potential yeah. who yeah. could be there for, for a number of years. So <clears throat> you know, what United have always done really is make their superstars, not buy them. Ronaldo signing for 12.25 million in 2003, I think. Mm. Signing for 80. And that was the last time United really made a significant profit on a player, probably, wasn't it? Um, I think so. <laughs> you, know, you know, this is um, this is something that Ineos have to, have to get back to for me because United are so well followed and such a big enough, such a big club that you can pick out somebody if they've got the right attitude, the right talent, and you know, they actually perform to their very best and they'll become as popular as as any signing you could make anyway. Completely. And I think that's all, fo fo all football fans want is to be able to watch their team and feel the team represent their, their love and emotion for the football club and they want to win football matches. And that's one of the most damning things, Scott, that we, we constantly question United about, isn't it? It's about... Well, did you really want to win that game? Like, why is it you pressed for 20 minutes, but then for, for half an hour, you just kind of flitted around and lost the ball and, you know, shouted at each other and all of that? It's so dysfunctional. And I think that's why some of this can be put on the manager. I think you can say 18 months down the line, why does your team do X, Y, and Z? You just gave examples there of players like Rio Ferdinand. You know, it's exactly, for me, I'd give an example like Jason Park. So you go get Jason Park, played for PSV, did well in the Eredivisie, and you pick him up and everyone's, automatically suspicious. So like, you've gone and bought this player from the Far East. Are you trying to sell shirts? Is he actually not that good? And he comes to the football club and he does really well. And he's actually has almost like legendary status now at United. When people talk about Park, there's a lot of love for him because of how hard he worked for the team. Now, I'm not saying that every player has to be like Jisung Park, but every player has to be, I think, of that ilk is that you go and look in the market and you go deep. And there are players out there for 10 20, 30, 40 million. I know that's steadily rising as the world goes on. But you can go and get players that have got value. Fergie once said there's no value in the market and he was lying. And he was lying because he wanted more value. <laughs> that's why he was saying it out loud. I don't want to pay all this money. 
Rio Ferdinand was over 30 million, and that was a world record for a, a defender at that time. He was playing for Leeds. You know, he, he wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, this, he wasn't coming from Real Madrid, was he? So there's a balancing point, and United need to get back to it. United need to go and buy players and go and shop in different marketplaces, Scott. Because I think that's big, the biggest problem. You think about when Ed Woodward came in, who did he buy? Angle Di Maria. Yeah. So he went and got someone who had the most assists in La Liga. And he thought, that's what we do. Didn't work, did it? Because you just went up here. You weren't building anything. You were just constantly looking for the big names. And as he said at the time, I want to build Galacticos at United. That was his own quote. That's the last thing we need, Scott. We need more Ralph Ranić. We need more kind of like, right, let's get players on their first contracts and then build them up and say, well, you know what? You've done really well and we love you. We love what you've done for a year. We're going to renegotiate your contract and we're going to give you some nice money. You're going to enjoy life at Man United. I don't think any of them, Scott, on the big wages at United love being at United. Like, what do you think? Do you think any of them actually exude enjoying wearing our shirt? I don't think they do. No. I got to be honest. Name one. Name one. I think Rashford Bruno was the moments. only one that I could think of, but he has to. He has to be in a good moment, and it's, he's definitely not in a good yeah. moment at the moment. So I can imagine yeah. he's not enjoying it too much. You know exactly. Like we're, we're going to talk in the next few weeks, and hopefully, like very soon, about Lissandra Martinez. And I think one of the refreshing things about the butcher was that last season he showed that you can kind of you know wear your heart on your sleeve and put the tackles in and be aggressive and, and do all the kind of like old Roy Keane things of throwing your body in the way. And and fans love all of that. So like you hope that in the weeks ahead that he can do that. But Scott, you're kind of relying on it now, aren't you? Like if he does, if he comes back and doesn't hit the ground running because he's had a bad injury, then we're going to be asking the same questions about him, aren't we? In, in like two, three, four months, we'll be saying, well, Martinez hasn't recaptured his form. And actually there's 12 of them doing that and that's the truth it's not just Sancho it's not just Rashford there's a ton of them at Man United that just don't do it every week or just you know indisciplined you hope that these players coming back now into the team that they can add something different because I think we've talked about the injury crisis for so long now you're getting over it these players coming back in the team have to really help you go and win well it is easing I'm just waiting until it starts to grow again (laughs) because I I kind of uh Sorry, I I don't want to be the the doomy guy, but fingers crossed. It the Tottenham game should be the last game, really, because I think United have a, a couple of weeks now after mm. this game off. Uh, I don't think they play again this month after the Tottenham game. So, or the maybe the FA Cup's been been put in there now, isn't it? The the tie yeah. against Eastleigh on Newport. So yeah, they, they play one more game. Uh, in the FA Cup this month, <clears throat> but this should be the last Premier League game you see really without. Casemiro. Some of them might be back without Casemiro, without Lisandro Martinez, without Mason Mount. Mm. You know, uh, fingers crossed United can get their team back playing once a week because <laughs> they're out of all the other competitors. They're out of Europe, obviously. And things can actually start pulling together a bit. They don't have to look as knackered as they are running about or trying to. You know, as much as uh, Eric Ten Hag wants them to, fingers crossed, things will uh, will pick up a bit. But we'll, we'll talk about the Spurs game a little bit later in the show because I think it's really actually quite important that they have to win. <laughs> like, if you look at the table, if you lose to Spurs, your season is verging on over. Like, if it isn't already, in terms of what you can achieve. 
in the league. Yeah, in, in the early parts of the season, I would say that like results matter more than performances because you can build performances. I think the problem being here, Scott, is that performances are so erratic and not very good. And now you're at a crossroads with a new part owner who's looking at these things really deeply. You've got Dave Brailsford sat there with Jean-Claude Blanc in the stands and they are running the rule in real time physically and they're looking and saying, right, do these players run for this manager? Right, why is it? that they kind of do it for little periods. Like I'm sure Eric Ten Hag's had these conversations with Jim Ratcliffe and explained the psyche at Man United or why some of it works and some of it doesn't. But you know what, Scott? You, you haven't got time in a season. Like if your performances are bad and say you lose to say Spurs coming up here now, this is a Spurs team without their best player who's often, you know, off of the Asia Cup and he's out, out of the picture. So if you do lose, you're losing to Richarlison who sat on the sidelines most of the season. That's not a good look, is it? It's not a good and look. Timo Werner, who United fans were scared at the prospect of potentially signing. It's going to happen, isn't it? Like Timo Werner is going to run people because he's quick and your defenders are slow. So all of this kind of, you know, kind of smells before you actually even get in the stadium. But these players have to just be better. The performance value, Scott, whatever happens against Spurs, you've got to at least show that you mean it. And I think that is that is a problem at United. We never see that, that. They'll have one game where they're great and we feel better about them. And we go, that was much better, wasn't it? And literally the following game, they're back to being dysfunctional again. And I, I feel for Eric Ten Hag in that scenario because I'm sure he feels what we feel. But he's got the power to change some of those things. And I'm I'm not convinced some of the tactics or some of the setups have worked this season. I think he could have done different things, but he hasn't. It's his choice. And your neck is on the block at the end of the day. And Spurs is a massive game. There's no doubt about it. It's not a it's not a kind of I was gonna say it's not a must-win, but it is a must-win. Like you're at home. And if you want to stay anywhere in that top six or in a European place, you've got to go beat teams like Tottenham when they're weakened, when they've lost Sun. You've got to go and do the business. Will they? I just don't know. I don't think anyone can confidently say, yes, they're going to be brilliant. I've got a, like, maybe I'm wrong, but I've got that funny feeling that they might turn up this weekend. I don't know. I feel the opposite. That's my my gut feeling. Like I, I never go off my gut because I know like we're all wrong sometimes, aren't we? Like with our gut feelings, because we get we get proved wrong all the time. Like I go into Old Trafford and feel terrible and then come out and feel great, and vice versa. Going to Old Trafford, yeah, we're gonna be great today. And literally at half time, I'm stood there going, Oh my god, like we're seeing the same horror show again. But I'm the opposite Sky. I know you feel more positive about this game, and I'm kind of like maybe it's just because I haven't really watched United play for a couple of weeks. I know they played in the FA Cup, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the burn has disappeared a little bit, it's healed a little bit. I, I just don't know. I think the whole Jaden Sancho thing, if we want to apply it to the squad, there'll be squad members, Scott, they'll be quite happy to see him got, gone. There'll be other players in the first team that will not be happy to have seen him gone, that will not like the way this has panned out. We know who those players are. We've spoken about them in the past. How that affects a football match coming up, I can't tell you. But we do know that it's affected the camp through for months and months and months. Hopefully, Scott, you now will get some healing, is that the players can just focus on what they're doing and what their jobs are. But it's the same, it's the same mathematics, isn't it, for the players as it was for Jaden. Is that it's up to you to perform every week. When you run, it's up to you. It's not up to us to push you or the manager to push you. It's up to you to choose to do it. And I don't trust this lot, Scott. I think that's the problem is that that's why you probably have to get rid of quite a few of them and then go and buy players in the next markets because you have to change the culture at United around work rate and about dedication to the badge. You just have to do that. 
it does not start at Tottenham. You've still got the same players. You're gonna you, you, we're gonna be talking about Scott McTominay playing in midfield. Like it's the same thing, isn't it? We, we're not going to be talking about massive changes. I don't think Eric Ten Hag has got the tactical depth maybe to change some of it. He's not really proved that that he can he can switch it up to be able to fight other teams with a high press. Tottenham will play a high press. You can get in behind them. Will your players work for it? I don't know. We have to see. Yeah, I've just I did I did forget about the uh, McTominay midfield gap for a, for a brief second there. <clears throat> he can be assured if he plays it, that will happen. But they have to play with the right intensity. Maybe if they do get Martinez back, maybe they can push up a little bit. Maybe Luke Shaw is back. I didn't mention Luke Shaw earlier as well. Yep. I think uh, Eric Ten Hag will confirm or suggest who could be back in his press conference, but we're recording before that. <clears throat> anyway, let us know what you think will happen in the Tottenham game. Uh, I was going to come back to it, but we've essentially done the section already. So um, we will move on to... I just wanted to have a little note on transfer speculation because we were talking about uh, Sancho just now. And obviously there's been a number of players linked. Obviously Tottenham are the, the one team really that have used the market to their advantage. They've signed Timo Werner. They've mm-hmm. let Eric Dyer go to Bayern. They've, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, signed a new centre-back. Christian Romero, Mickey van der Ven and Radu Dragosin could be all available for Spurs. They have other injury problems, this kind of thing, and uh, unavailability with Son away, this kind of thing. Um, but I'm seeing loads of transfer speculation out there. You, you, you think with uh, Jaden Sancho leaving, Donny van der Beek leaving, both on loan, that Oh, United have to do something. And I I think they might end up maybe doing like an emergency loan or something like that. But it, it does depend on, for me, Anthony Martial. I said this to you, Rob, I think last week. I don't think United will do anything because I think Martial will be really difficult to shift. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe he will end up leaving. But just a general note. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're kind of getting excited by transfer speculation that you're seeing just chill a bit for me like a, a lot of this it's, it's january so the newspapers have to go and suggest things that man united might end up doing i'm seeing brian brobby to man united again ajax player and then it's oh my god stop signing ajax players eric stop signing ajax players i mean yes we've seen that happen but united haven't even installed their transfer team yet mm. they haven't they haven't installed a sporting director they haven't installed a head of recruitment, this kind of thing. And we know those appointments are coming at some point in the next six months. So why would 
Ineos go and sign somebody for actual money this month when they haven't even figured out what the hell they're doing yet. I mean, there's other players out there, Rob, that have been linked, I'm sure, but you know, just don't get don't get wrapped up in it for me. Yeah, don't get wrapped up in it. And you know, I think I've been doing this job about 12 years now, and every year the transfer window, I think I've done like 24 transfer windows in a row now, it, it becomes more ridiculous and more intense. And, you know, 20 transfer windows ago, we didn't talk about transfers like we do today. Now, we know that there's this massive thirst out there for this content and for, to talk about those things. Like you just said there about newspapers putting suggestions out there. I think we've always tried to say that we, we don't want to talk about stuff that, that isn't real unless we know something in terms of it's well-sourced or we feel confident about it or whether we can apply a player to Man United. So like Timo Werner is a really good example is that he gets offered to Man United. So we talk around the subject. So, you know, would we like him or not? I think in this transfer window, Scott, like you just said there, the appointments haven't been made from Ineos. But we absolutely know that behind the scenes that all of this is happening, that they are talking, they're strategizing, they know what they would like to do. What they won't do, Scott, is just throw money at a problem. They will they will throw money at it as time goes on, but they won't be over the top about it. They will take their time. They still are not convinced whether they're buying plays for this manager or another manager. That's a massive question. And they were not going to buy plays today and then in six weeks' time go, oh, do you know what? We spent 50 million in January and actually we don't like this manager. We're going to sack him. So there we go. They are not going to do that. It, they shouldn't do that. It's not the right thing to do. Um, I think it will be a slow window, but I still believe United will bring in one or two players. Like, we haven't talked about other players, like, say, Hannibal here, Scott, who's on the block. And, you, you know, you're talking about Hannibal now potentially going to Sevilla with an option to buy. You know, be honest, I'm not, I'm not into it. I would rather that he was coming back to United at some point. You've said before that there are players at United that maybe are viewed as not good enough. I look at Hannibal and I think he could be a good squad player for Man United. You can't, you don't just have to. There is set to be a buyback in that though. There's set to be a buyback in it. But again, that is ridiculous. It's a bit like the Paul Pogba thing. So years ago, Paul Pogba, you, you, you let him walk on a free and people go, oh, it was the agent. It was this Fergie, one thing or another. No, you knew that Paul Pogba was going to be pretty good. So you didn't develop him anymore and you didn't really pay him what he was worth at that time. So I know people will say now, oh, but Paul Pogba's a disaster, Rob. And that is completely true. But I think when you look at someone like Hannibal, is that, yeah, let him go and play football somewhere else if that's what you want. But we've just talked about the midfield there, Scott, with Scott McTominay. You're kind of picking away some of your options if you get one or two more injuries. And I think Hannibal's done all right in the short period of time that he's been on a pitch. What's the next thing? Like, is Kobe Manu now going to be like, oh, you know, we drop him out of the team because he's too young and he's, you know, he's had one or two bad games or whatever. I think you have to stick with these younger lads and keep them integrated in your squad. But it's pretty clear that Eric Ten Hag's not into that. Like we think Palestri is going to probably go as well. So, no, but Robbie, so, you talk about all these players. I have to stop you there. Like you talk about yeah. Palestri, you talk about Hannibal, and then you we talk about Garnacho and Kobe mm. Mainu. There's differences. You, you can yeah. tell. Palestri struggled. Like I know yeah. that he's been a popular choice because Anthony's been crap. Essentially, Jaden Sancho's been absent. And it's, oh, let's let's bring in Palestri and let's see him get his head down and run at players and just provide a different option to get to the byline and cut it back because none of our mm. other players do that. I mean, I've got to say, I know Hannibal came on, scored against Brighton. He's had some appearances here and there. But to me, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be unfair to the kid, but like 
seeing him already. He's not done enough. Like, Cobby is different mm. to me. He's different. Yeah. Garnacho's done enough to be proven that he's different. And these players are getting first team minutes consistently and starting matches consistently. So I think, to me, the Hannibal one, yeah, it's, it's a little bit sad because there's another academy graduate that's going. But to me, there's not enough in... He's not a needle mover for me. Whereas Cobby he's is. not. Yeah, he's not a needle move, right? And there's no way I would declare or proclaim that at, at all. I look at it slightly differently. With young players, I don't think you should treat success and failure as different things. They are the same thing. This is about progress. So if you've got someone like Hannibal who's got potential, you, you get to a point, I think, where a manager looks at it and says, you know, do I can I use this player or not? And that's where you are. But we're not talk, thinking about the squad as a whole, Scott, like over 20, 25 players, you know, Everyone has their place in the squad and good squads have different players that do different things to give you different tactics. Now, as you're saying there, there's no way that you can compare Hannibal to Cobby. No way at all. Cobby, I think we all believe is going to become a generational star. The world's that greatest become, player. Yeah, He could become <laughs> the best midfielder Man United had forever. But do you know what? Say between now and the end of the season, he has bad form. Does that mean that in the summer you go, oh, we're not going to carry on with this. We're not going to, we, we, we won't push this. So like you just used the word needle mover. And I think that's a really good, good term for it because not every player has to be a needle mover. And we've been proclaiming that about signings here now on this show for years. We've been saying not every player has to be elite, 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 elite. Like you're going to have someone like Mason Mount coming back now and pressure's going to be on him as a big signing. But it would be better to have players around him, maybe some youth, that you can interchange with and work with on the training pitch. And I think if you give that away now, Scott, we've just said there, oh, there's no value in the market or you're not going to go out and buy players in the marketplace. Well, Hannibal is a is a tangible 20, 10 to 15 to 20 million pound footballer already, even as a kid. Don't just give these players away, not for, you know, just because. Keep developing them and keep pushing because you might just be surprised. And I think that's it. I think you look at Hannibal, he might not fit Eric Ten Hag, Scott. But if Eric Ten Hag's gone out of the football club in the summer, he might fit the next manager perfectly. You have to just kind of hedge your bets a little bit. I think United have way too fast just to let players walk out the door. They've done it before. They get punished for it. And it shouldn't be about, is this player going to win us the title? No, this player is just rotation. Can he help you in the FA Cup and Cup competitions? And if you've got injuries... United have just gone through the worst injury crisis that we've had for years. And now we're at a point where saying we're not going to sign anyone in January, but we're letting players go. Uh, Hannibal isn't the problem. That's the way I look at it. Is that if you were selling Scott McTominay for 40 million, I might be down with that. I might like that transfer. Hannibal, I look at that and I think, no, you probably could keep him in-house and keep developing him. Same for Palestri. They've not done it yet, Scott, but they're kids. You know, you shouldn't, shouldn't get too obsessed with them. But equally, you could you could argue the that. point that at 20 and 21, 22, that these kids need first team football mm. to develop, and they're not going to. Hannibal's not good enough to be an automatic starter. This kind of thing, so they need to go somewhere else. So send him on loan. Don't 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 send him with the option to 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 walk out of the football club. That's that's what I'm saying. So like he could severe for six months. Cool. Like go there and be brilliant and show people that you're good. Or he might go there, and if he's not very good, Sevilla are not going to trigger the option to buy, and he's going to bring him back anyway. So that's what I'm saying, is that I think there's a kind of, it's a balancing act with those things, that players definitely need minutes. But I think when you look at Man United uniquely as a squad, I would rather keep the youth in-house. Because you're only a few games away, Scott, from people telling you that you're rubbish. Like Garnacho had three months where he wasn't very good, where he went a bit Rashford. 
Yeah, people will be telling us, oh, he's not good enough for Man United in three months' time. And it's not true. Same for Cobby. So I believe that. That's how I believe the game is. I think you've got to kind of you've got to have a balancing act there. I think it's more a case that Eric Ten Hag doesn't particularly want Hannibal and Pelestri. I think that's where we stand with it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. Deutsche Football might come in and go, those two lads are actually quite good. Why don't you just keep working with them for a year? Like they're on really, really low wages. They, you know, sign them up, you know, trigger the extension like with Hannibal for the extra year. Don't worry about it too much. Just work with them. See if you can make them better. And I think managers need to do that more, Scott, that try and make their youth better rather than just saying, oh, they don't fit what I want them to do. Uh, let's move on to... you. I, I've got Jean-Claude Blanc in my notes. I mean, I'll, I'll let you do this section because I think you could summarise it better than me. I, you wanted to make a point on, on Jean-Claude Blanc, Rob. Yeah, it's quite a prominent article went out the other day about Jean-Claude Blanc not becoming Manchester United CEO. And we know that that was his previous roles at places like Juventus and PSG. Now, Jean-Claude Blanc's already in the building. He's already doing his job. It doesn't really matter what his title is because he works for Ineos. He already is on the Ineos sporting board and a, and a big prominent figure there. And that's why he's been involved with everything that's going on now. There's a big outcry that, oh, you know, he's not going to be the CEO. That that proves that the Glazers are in charge, that Ratcliffe has no power, et cetera, et cetera. I tweeted the other day that that's just complete nonsense. And I think, again, people get reactionary about these things. Um, you've got Blanc there. Blanc is going to be doing the job. It really doesn't matter what his job title is. It doesn't matter if he's called CEO or if he's called King of the World or commercial officer or all of that. Uh, the CEO, quite often, at, at a lot of organisations, is quite a representative role. It's not always the guy that everyone reports to. If you've got a more robust board people report to different people and then you collaborate together. I think the truth is, Scott, everyone reports to Jim Ratcliffe. Like, that's the truth. This is Ratcliffe's baby, even Dave Brailsford to an extent. To me, it doesn't really matter what their job titles are. And that's been a thing in the last day or two. People get very excited about that and saying, oh, oh, Joel Glazer will choose the CEO and then therefore nothing will change. No, it's going to be a collaborative effort. But the Glazers are on the PLC. They will have some kind of say. But our understanding is that these will be Ineos choices. These are Radcliffe choices. He's put 1.3 billion into the club, Scott, in terms of giving it to the Glazers for this right to run the football sporting project. I think people need to, again, simmer down a little bit. You're going to get your appointments in time. Don't get too excited at the moment. It's it's easy to be wrapped up in negativity, given how awful things have been for 10, Mm. 10 years plus. But... Do you want? Do you really want to live in that state? Have a bit of hope. Have a bit of well, hope. Some people do. Some people lo- love the negativity and they, they, you know, they swim in it and they do it every day. And it's just a, it's a really nice, easy way, isn't it? To go on Twitter, Scott, and spill your guts out. I am annoyed about the world. I'm annoyed about Man United. I'm going to scream and shout. You look at my comments on my bit about John Claude Blanc that I did yesterday, and there's there's a load of people there screaming, going. You know, the Glazers are in charge, Glazers out, Glazers out. Well, we all want the Glazers out, but this is the best scenario that we can hope for at the moment. And these players, these players, these people are in the building. You know, they are doing their jobs already, Vinios, and you're moving forward slowly, that kind of 1% at a time. Someone again messaged me and said, oh, you know, you're, you're kind of deluded about Dave Brailsford because he doesn't know anything about football. And that's just a common thread that keeps repeating but you've got sporting people there now doing the jobs it doesn't really matter what they're called what their roles are they're going to be doing it for the for the good of Ineos and for the good of their employer Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ratcliffe obviously wants to win so I think you have to give them that opportunity to go and do this now 
Yes, indeed. We will uh, roll in to some, Rob mentioned there, questions or feedback on X, mm. Twitter, etc. Rob did put a tweet out asking for some questions from you guys. And uh, we'll get into them, actually. So, first one is from Harry Gosling. Rob, how do you think that Mason Mount fits into the midfield with Kobe Mainu really being an 8 and Bruno the 10? Don't really see how he fits in personally. Yeah, well, first of all, just thanks to everyone that does respond on Twitter and helps us with these things because we want to hear what you say because we see all the comments and we see the replies. So it's nice to kind of put it out and see some of you like ask like really good tangible questions. That's a really great question because I, I do think that the jury's out on Mason Mount just simply because he hasn't played, but he is a £60 million footballer that you signed from Chelsea. So it's quite important, isn't it? Um, how do you combine Cobby with anyone at the moment and I think that's a big question because obviously you've got Casemiro to come back you've got other players to come back in Bruno Fernandes obviously will play a lot of games and Scott McTominay will play a lot of games I say that with a bit of a sigh I don't do know think he Scott. will do you think Scott McTominay will yeah I think I do. he's been there because of the injuries to other players personally I think that's how it started. I don't think that's how it'll finish. So, like, you think about the last game where, you know, it feels like a while ago now, but, you know, the manager pulled Cobby at 45 minutes because he's tired. What, what did he do? He went with Scott McTominay to six. So that's the manager's choice, not ours. Like, we're watching this. It's just happening in real time. It's actually a factual thing. So I think this player will play more minutes than not. That's the way I look at it. I, I really hope I'm wrong, but I think that's where you'll be. I think when you look at the structure in the midfield there with Mason Mount, Mason Mount was brought to play as a number eight, yeah? So if you think that Casemiro might be the six when we go back to the 4 one one and then you look at Mount as the eight, who do you think the other eight's going to be? Do you think it's going to be Cobby? I think no. I don't think the manager rates him as an eight. I want to see him as an eight. You want to see him as an eight, Scott, but I don't think they will. And I think you'll probably see Bruno Fernandes as the eight with him. So there you go. So that's what you're going to get in this midfield. And then what we're going to do, we're going to be doing shows of, why is Cobby sat on the bench? So I think that's a bigger thing. And we'll be talking more about Mason Mount negatively and saying, well, he doesn't really fit as an eight. I'd like to see Mount up the pitch. I think you're going to, I'd rather see him wider. And there's a, there's a case here, Scott, that you drop Rashford and you take Rashford out the team and you play Mount wide and you play Garnacho wide. And obviously you play Hoyland up top. You might go mm -hmm. out and get Chupa Moting or someone like that might come into the mix when we talk about the forward line. And then you talk about what's Bruno doing? Is Bruno 10? Is he an 8? Is he hybrid 6-8? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things to answer there. I would rather see Manu be the first name on the sheet in that midfield and then mount somewhere else on there. Uh, that's how I feel. But a lot of people say he's a kid. You shouldn't really... Again, there were tweets to me the other day saying, oh, you've got too much faith in Kobe Manu. I'm like, no, play him. I'd rather play him and lose Scott. That's the, that's the way I feel, is that I don't want to play, pay play these players that are on a lot of money that don't seem to be able to run around for longer than 20 minutes at a time. Stick with your youth, let your youth grow and let's see what Mason Mount can do. Big few months for Mason Mount because I'm not sure. I don't know. Like I, when we bought him, I quite liked the signing and I thought, yeah, that's a progressive signing. This kind of United, I don't know, Scott, how do you feel about it? I, I don't know where you get the value out of Mount as a 60 million pound signing in a midfield that's so bad. I don't think you should be on automatic starter once your squad is sorted. It's just that's going to be the case for me. I mean, you play the players that fit the system best. I mean, Eric Ten Hag had an idea for Mason Mount to be 
one of those eights that can cover a heck of a lot of ground, help the high yep. press, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it very, very rarely. Um, but the good thing about Mount is that he's a player who can play in multiple positions. And Matthew Roberts says, there was a couple of comments from him. Uh, I'd like to see Mount on the right for a bit, which is where he played for Chelsea and was good. I mean, that's an option. I think Mason Mount is one of the players that you sign who can play left, right, center, eight, whatever you need, really. And you, you, your squad always needs those kind of players, but obviously he struggled with injuries and this kind of thing for the last year of his Chelsea career as well as his first in United Colours. Um, but for me, Ten Hag or whoever the manager is, is going to need a, a bunch of options. And I, I, I don't know, is Mason Mount a permanent starter every single game when he's fit? No, not for me. I don't know. I, I, and yes, it's a big I risk to that. take when spending 60, quid, 60 million quid on him. Because uh, I think that was the intention at the start of the season. But down the line, I think he should be a, a squad player who plays a lot of minutes. But obviously, he's got a lot of energy. And I think you can utilize that if you play the right system. But another another one from Matthew Roberts, Rob. Will Ineos recruitment strategy be centered around young English talent? How do we feel about that? Maybe an unfair observation. But I don't think Ten Hag's command of English is that good. It should be better after 18 months. And maybe that's starting to become a problem. Mm, I don't think... His English is bad. Like I think sometimes things are lost in translation with what he's trying to say. But come on, we live in a world now where just in the Premier League, that's just how it is. Is that you've got a melting pot of nationalities and people talk English at different standards. So I do believe that Ineos, part of their project, and again, this is this is from sourcing and little bits that we know, is that they will favour that structure of trying to recruit young English players. Because that used to be the Man United way, Scott. That was the way that they used to do it, is to kind of look into the market, look at young British players, supplement them with foreign players, and, and try and have a base that players that, that were not coming to Man United just for the wage. And I'm not saying every foreign player is like that. You know, it's just that would be incorrect. But I do think that if you have a base of people that understand what's happening with your football club or how you want them to be, then that helps. Now, there is a, already a caveat there is that you've got someone like Marcus Rashford, who is English and a Mancunian and a United fan, and his form is absolutely diabolical. So there is, I get why people look at this and kind of go, well, Jaden Sancho's English. He lived in Manchester, didn't he, before? You know, and, you know, it hasn't worked for him. So I don't think it's it's exactly on the money, but I think if you use Mason Mount there as an example, Mason Mount, you paid £60 million for. He's English, and you gave him the number seven shirt. And we've just both said there, he's probably not good enough to start every week. So that's a problem. So you can't always just stick to that line. And I think Ineos will be recruiting worldwide. They're not They're not just going to look at English players, though I do think that is part of maybe their mantra, is that they want to look at more homegrown British players that they can maybe kind of improve over a long period of time, get value at a lower level, and then bring them on. But then you look at someone like Scott McTominay, like, great for Scotland, scores lots of goals. Is that what you're looking at? Well, for me, the answer to that is no. You're looking at real quality somewhere. You've got to go find your Phil Foden's. Go find your next Phil Foden's, but bring them to Man United when they're 15 and develop them that way. And I think that's cool. I think that's the right way to do it. Shea Lacey. 
Maybe. Um, Shay Lacey, like we'll, we'll be doing Shay Lacey show, Scott. Like it's coming. Like we, we'll talk more about him as time goes on. But that is that's where you're going. I think that's where it should be. But then you've also got to go to Spain and go get your Garnachos. You've got to go to Atletico Madrid and nick their best players. That's how it works in in the global marketplace. I'm not too overly fussed about nationality. I think if you're good enough for United, then you should play. And if you want to run for the badge, then I don't care where you're from. Jared Branthwaite of Everton is somebody that I think. He might be too expensive. Like, I mean, don't don't go and sign him for 60, 80 million quid because Everton value him highly because he's English, that kind of thing. Mm. But that profile of player, I think, might, might I, I think I've been linked with him before. I think there's plenty of teams that want him, this kind of thing. But Tell me what yeah. you think about Branthwaite. Tell me what you I think I don't about know him. enough really about him, to be honest, but I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. But in terms of his, what he is, he strikes me as quite United. He worries. I haven't me. watched enough of him, Rob. All right, he worries me because I think he, I think he's good. I think he's flavour of the month, and I think that he's done really well at Everton and Everton love him. And there's no doubt that I think he's going to probably get in the England squad. Is he like kind of going to go the John Stones route where he ends up at a bigger club and develops and becomes better or whatever, or wins medals and wins trophies? Probably. I think that's the kind of marketplace you shouldn't be shopping in, like getting a player at that value because he's already going to be stinking. Oh, yeah. Way, way that, too much money. Way United much. would have to pay the earth to get him. In fact, you might be talking world record for a defender type price for an Everton player. It feels a little bit like a young Maguire. I don't want to really put that on his shoulders, but, you know, that's, I think, where you go in. What you have to go do, Scott, is go get, mid, go get defenders that may be in that 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 ballpark that maybe have some more development more behind them. I think if you go for a Branthwaite type player, I've seen a lot of that. People going, oh, yeah, that's who you should be looking at. That worries me. I think he's good, but I don't know if he's good enough for Manchester United. I, I, I haven't seen enough yet to really feel confident about that. There's a lot of buzz about him, but he's in the Everton team. Like, you know, like Everton like him, don't they? But Everton are, are bad enough. To, to be able to do that and give him rotational minutes and play him a lot of football. And he's, he's done well. There's no doubt about it. He's had a good season. Final question from David Prescott. I saw that they extended Joe Hugel's contract mm. early this week. Might have been today, Thursday. Uh, do either of you watch PL2 and can you compare, contrast him and Hoyland, tell us where he is in his development? Do you, Can you answer that one, Rob? Yeah, I can. Uh, look, Hugo, I don't think he's good enough for Man United. Be completely honest about it. You know, I think, I think he's, I think he's got talent, and I think that he's got very kind of core number nine sensibilities. Like he can score goals and he can run off, and he and he works hard. He's a really hard worker. Um, there are comparisons with Hoyland in terms of style of play. I think Hoyland's got more talent and more potential. But it's interesting that United have given him a contract and said, "Oh, we want to carry on developing you." Because I look at him and watch him. And study him, and I look at him, and I go, "That might be the play that you kind of want out the door because he's not going to become a top class number nine, or he's not going to score you lots of goals, or he's not going to be a rotational piece." But we're talking more about the Hannibals and the Palestries leaving, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because United haven't got a lot of strikers, <laughs> and I think that might be why why they're carrying on that route with Hugo. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I think he's okay. You know, I I, I don't. When I see him on the bench, I always think, well, he's not playing today. Like, he, 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 you know, he's he's there to collect the cones. So I don't, no, not well, for me. Uh, 
<laughs> this is the truth this is the truth this is how i feel about it and I, I watch him and i think i think he's decent i think he will be a really good championship striker one day we don't play in the championship we are in the premier league so i think i'd rather hugo left don't give him that contract it's not going to be on a big deal anyway and maybe go find your julian alvarez for 14 million from you know river plate or somewhere like that They're, those players are out there somewhere uh that's rather how i would see you developing your squad rather than say a, a hugo He's a left-back, left-sided player, left-winger, but Brighton are signing Valentin Barco from Boca for about €10 million. Yep. Euros. And who's City signed the other day as well from Boca? Uh, Claudio Echeverri. Claudio Echeverri. And what did they the pay for him the Yeah, what did they pay for him million quid. United need to be doing some of this stuff. million they... quid. 12 million yeah. quid. And we, this is why the whole conversations around like the Hannibals and the Palestries are pointless because that's kind of what you're going to get for them. But those that value is out there ready. Go and buy those players and bring them in and develop them. And then you've got a bit of a melting pot, haven't you, to mix with. You know, this is, I, I will bang on about the Julian Alvarez thing till I die because Man United had that player in the bag. It was all done. And City came in, offered what they needed to offer him and United just kind of stepped off and went, well, actually, all right, and... You have that player. They didn't fight for him. So there's plenty of that those talents out there in South America and across the world that you could go get for the kind of under 20 million is what I'd call it, you know, under that that figure. And then develop them, Scott, and make them better. And, you know, don't complain that Jaden Sancho at 70, 80 million hasn't given you any goals or assists because he sat on the sidelines. It's too much of that Man United. And yeah, maybe go and buy players that didn't just play for Ajax once upon a time. That's probably a good good thing to start off with as well isn't it yes it is indeed we'll uh we'll wrap it there we've been running 55 and a half minutes uh but tottenham are the visitors to old trafford rob will be there on sunday probably in the freezing cold because this weather is uh not Nasty. not lovely not lovely to sit in at the moment in the uk but uh thank you very much for listening thank you to rob again for another episode of the promised land thanks for subscribing if you're new on youtube uh we've had a big bundle of new subscribers over the last few days because um we had a particularly successful show that went out in in our terms anyway um last week or at the start of this week and uh, we really appreciate the support keep watching you can also subscribe on apple and spotify etc if you just want the audio version give us a five star rating over there um but yes thanks for watching thanks for listening get in touch with us on the social media channels at double underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at tpl mufc loads of new followers on the the tpl uh channel as well on on x recently rob it's like can't believe it mad we don't even put tweets out from it it's just you tagging it all the time so uh yeah get over there Maybe we'll start posting we'll start <laughs> posting on there as well perhaps but uh thanks very much everyone thanks to rob again for another promised land podcast we'll be back at the start of next week to unpack what happens at old trafford against tottenham and anything else that's going on outside of the football pitch until next time thanks for listening thanks for watching this has been the promised land from scott and rob see you soon Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.